0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. Got a jam-packed show for you all today. We got to talk about The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and try our best to untangle the crystal and Sutton of it all. Plus, The Real Housewives of Dubai aired their second episode this week, and... Here on Everything Iconic, we have a returning guest, Matt Rogers, who's one of the stars of Hulu's Fire Island, a fantastic gay rom-com. Uh, Matt also is one of the stars of Showtime's I Love That For You. He's got a podcast called Los Culturistas with Bo and Yang from SNL. Matt is hilarious, and he's also got a lot of thoughts on Housewives. We talk about the Sheree getting stood up. We talk about all sorts of Bravo stuff, as well as his uh, amazing projects. So please stick around after the Housewives chat for my convo with Matt Rogers. I'll try to put it up on the YouTube channel. But for now, we got to dive into Beverly Hills. Now, here's the thing. I don't know if anyone's followed any of this Patrick drama. Does that name ring a bell? If you're not someone who keeps up with the social media of it all, there's this man on social media who's sort of gotten into the mix with The Real House of Beverly Hills, and he's alleged some things. Lisa Rinna has alleged some things, and then Kathy Hilton's sort of part of it. Now, a lot of you reached out to me in the DMs and said, Danny, can you try to untangle all this Patrick drama on the show, Everything Iconic? And so I went the other day. I went with my best foot forward, and I tried my absolute darndest to get to the bottom of what this man was alleging. And he at one point was saying that uh, Kathy Hilton put him up to something, and then he was saying Lisa Rinna put him up to something. Lisa Rinna was posting, find out who this is, and they were posting each other's phone numbers. And... It was not only exhausting, but also didn't make a lick of sense. I truly had no idea what was going on. I tried. I did everything I could. I reached out to even some friends who are, you know, in the know, some housewife. And I know I'm supposed to be a housewife expert. That's what this whole fucking podcast is about. And even me, I was looking into it. I'm like, I don't even get it. I I didn't understand any of it. So I would love to get on this microphone and give you an exact rundown of all this drama that happened on the Instagram stories. But I don't even know how to do that. And page six got involved. There was like a page six about it. And I even tried to read the page six about it, which I thought, okay, well, page six, you know, they're pretty reliable, at least for breaking down and telling me the, the bare bones basics of what I need to know. And it turns out that didn't even make any sense to me. So, and there was like a lot of flip-flopping going on. And it's all about this thing that happened, I guess, with Kathy. I mean, I think it all ties back to this thing that allegedly happened in Aspen with Kathy at a club. Uh, Kathy Hilton, who hasn't even been on the show yet. This, where, how many episodes in? Five episodes in. We haven't seen Kathy Hilton not one bit. Although they keep talking about her. Kyle's going around talking about the wedding and it's like, Kathy doing the wedding. So anyway, apparently there's this thing that happens at a club and, uh, it's, Coming out little by little, but it's not making any sense. And we're still seemingly months away from it even coming out on the show. And so I don't even know how to explain it all to you. I don't even know where, what direction to point you all to go learn about this man named Patrick. Don't know his last name, forgot it. Uh, but he did an Instagram live. Page six did a write up about it. Lisa Rinna has been posting nonstop on her stories about this man. And I, I can't get any clear answers. So I wish I had some sort of Cliff's Notes version of you, of this whole thing for you. But it turns out I don't. All I can say is that all of these people have some secrets. Money. Our baby's got some secrets, and that applies to everyone in the Real Houses universe. And I was even trying to figure out, like, one part of me thought that maybe this is the production company or Bravo trying to drum up publicity for the season. But then I was thinking, well, if it's all about something that allegedly happens in Aspen at the end of the season, we're still months away from that being shown on the show. And then also, apparently, this whole thing that happened in Aspen wasn't even on camera. Ah. and you guys, I'm tired of all this stuff on Beverly Hills. That's something we need to sit and talk about for at least 25 minutes because I'm sick of all this stuff on Beverly Hills happening off camera, okay? We're having conversations off camera, then we're talking about, oh, well, we had this conversation, and then it, we're finding out these things happen off camera. Finally, at least this week, Crystal and Sutton, we sort of got an answer as to what Crystal was talking about when she said what Sutton said was dark and problematic or whatever. We finally got like a flashback to it where Sutton was saying something about a hot tub and a bunch of different people being in the hot tub. And I guess, but then they were saying that's what it was about. But did anyone else feel like it was actually about something totally different as well? It was like, I almost thought that Crystal is actually talking about something else, not the hot tub thing, but the hot tub thing was new, right? Like we never saw that conversation where Sutton was saying, I looked out my window and there was a hot tub filled with all these different races and. People and whatever, which uh, it was like such a weird thing to say anyway, but it was like, what was that it? Like, was that what Crystal was saying? Because I actually think Crystal's talking about something else. But we never saw that conversation about the hot tub before, did we? I don't know, you guys. Beverly Hills, they need to get – I don't know what needs to happen. Somebody needs to just take some notes or something because it's not making any sense to me. The stuff that's happening off camera, that's happening on camera, we need a clear storyline. And there comes a point where I'm actually blaming the rest of these women. I'm blaming Kyle Richards. I'm blaming Garcelle. I'm blaming all of the gals. Because we need you – if the storyline's not making any fucking sense – Okay. It's barely making sense to them, right? Like all those women were sitting around that table in Mexico and they were like, what did you say, Sutton? Well, Crystal, what did she say? What's so bad? And at a certain point, if Crystal and Sutton are both saying, uh, we don't know or we're not telling you or we're moved past it, whatever, then I'm going to need the rest of you to start something. I'm not sure what, but you need to figure something out, okay? Because you need to step up, throw a glass, or I'm not promoting throwing anything, but you know you got to do what you got to do. Do something, something on camera to spice things up. You get in front of that red light, you need to perk it up, Kyle Richards. Splits, you should know that you've been in the biz for too long, okay? And if none of you are going to do it, we're going to need to bring in a pro. Get Kim Richards back in there. Kim Richards, let her come back on in. Let her use her Disney training and all the the lessons she learned as a child actress to spice things up. She always knew how to do that. And these other gals are just sitting around, and they're just asking, well, Crystal, what'd you say? And Sutton, did you say this? And I'm thinking, y'all need to do something. And I'm not even putting it on Renna because Renna just lost Lois. Poor poor thing. I, I feel terrible about that. And Lois, of course, rests in peace. You know, we should just stop and say that now. I think we've said it on the show before, but it bears repeating. Lois a queen an icon, and I kind of legend and and I'm sending my love. But so Rina, we're given she doesn't have to do anything, okay? She's just coming bear... she shouldn't even be on this vacation, quite frankly. And she still showed up. But one of the other gals, and I guess Dorit too, Dorit's just been through it. She just she went through a traumatic experience, which she keeps reminding us about. Again, I feel terrible about what she went through. But every time someone else goes through something Dorit's in the confessional like, well, as someone who just went through a trauma, and it's like a completely different kind of thing. It's like crystals. It's not the same. Dorit's, Dorit's uh, comparing herself to every little thing that happens on camera. So I'm going to give Dorit a pass. I'm going to give Rinna a pass. I don't know if I should give should we give Bamboozle Jane a pass? I don't think we should give, should we? I mean, Bamboozle Jane has been through it. I will give her that. Like last season was all about her. So I guess I could sort of give her a, a pass. But I guess when it comes down to it, Garcelle and Kyle the Splits Richards, who are the ones who are most stirring the pot, because the, they want to keep the heat off them. They're the ones who are most kind of stirring things up. At a certain point, if Crystal and Sutton both don't want to talk about it, then I need you two to do something, anything, and make it, make it about yourselves, okay? Call someone something, or do something, storm out, or throw – I don't know. I, it's not, not my job. I'm not a real housewife. It's your job to figure that out, Splits. So figure it out. Figure it out. Uh, Because I'm getting pissed all this stuff that's not making any sense on these shows. And I'm kind of feeling like we're back in the day of Real Housewives Beverly Hills. We had such a good season last season. And now we have such a large cast. And Diana, too. Diana just got there, but she's five episodes in. Diana, we need you to spruce, spruce things up. And Kathy, what are you doing? Kathy, get on in there. Paris' wedding is over I'm going to need you to clock in If Renna could clock in, you could clock in Where's Kathy? Come on, get on the clock, Kath She's just uh, planning the wedding And she's got the spin-off that aired on Peacock About Paris's wedding But I'm going to need Kathy to clock in to work Because none of these other gals are clocking in to work we got the biggest cast in uh, Housewife history Got a hundred fucking people on that cast Plus a bunch of friends of And they're not even earning those paychecks on, on behalf of Bravo I'm going to need uh, somebody to get on uh, somebody needs to get fired off the show if this is how they're going to act because all this stuff that's going on camera I'm pissed I am pissed I am pissed okay what else do we got to talk about on this show oh so we opened this week with Garcelle she's got the fixer upper beach house I'm very proud of her it's uh, something that's going to be a storyline for the next couple of years because of course now we're going to need to see the final product okay so Garcelle's going to have something going on that's good I do also want Garcelle to replace the Property Brothers, just in general, just in general, in all of their projects. I would like, in every show that they have on HGTV or whatever network they're on, I would like her to replace them. Uh, also, we have a scene where Dorit and Erica—they're sitting down for lunch—and uh, this is something I want to discuss. Now, they ordered the Niçoise salad. Am I saying that right? Niçoise salad. It was cracking me up when they were ordering it because. Of course, Bravo loves to leave in the orders. They love to have the gals ordering their food, and they always leave in with their order, and it's like part of the thing of this show. And when they were getting the niçoise salad, they were like, Mmm, that sounds good, a niçoise salad. I'd like a niçoise salad. Mmm, I'll have that niçoise salad. I think I'm going to get a niçoise salad. And I've never heard people use the term (laughs) niçoise. I feel like they just kept saying niçoise. And the waitress, the waiter, the server... She was like, uh, the kitchen's closing in 15 minutes, so, you know, you got to hurry it up." And so they're like, "Oh, we'll get the niçoise salad." But I was thinking that that server was probably so fucking pissed. that The whole camera crew came in right as they're about to close up shop. Now, there's no way they can film a whole scene in 15 minutes. And this poor gal was like, "Just about, you know, I don't know how many of you out there have been a server before. I've been a server, a bartender, a busser. I've done the whole whole nine at a restaurant. And uh, when you're closing up, you don't want anyone to show up with even an hour left on the clock, right? Like you want to close the door. You'll lock that front door as quick as you can. If you're working at Ruby Tuesdays, you're locking that door an hour before closing. If somebody shows up, you're like, oh, we're closed. And they're like, oh, it says you still have an hour. And you're like, too bad. And you lock them out. That's what you do. And this poor gal sees a whole camera crew coming in, all ordering a bunch of Niçoise salads, you know, Niçoise salads at the wazoo for the whole crew and cast. Because I'm sure it wasn't just Bamboozle Jane and Dorit ordering the Niçoise salad. I'm sure they had to get it for the producers, the PA, the camera people. I'm sure there was someone in the editing bay they had to send a Niçoise salad to. So they had to do all that with 15 minutes left. Now, I'm not even exactly sure what's in a Niswa salad, but it doesn't sound super easy. It's not like a Caesar that you just throw in some croutons, some parmesan, and a little uh, maybe a chicken or something. Uh, a Niçoise salad, I'd imagine, is a little bit more intense. Now, granted, it's not like they ordered something that's going to take a, like, it. Like, could you imagine if Dorit sat down and was like, "I'll take a lasagna," you know? She and she just got the Niçoise salad, so it wasn't that time consuming. But the kitchen was closing, and so I just feel for all those people because they must have been pissed had to make all those fucking Niçoise salads. Uh, anyway, Jaree she's going through the therapy. We talked about that last week, and I feel bad. I feel bad. Then, meanwhile, Kyle and Crystal are at lunch, and they're all we're we're all talking about gaslight. I feel like that's the term of the season or something. Gaslighting and trigger. Gaslighting trigger. Gaslighting trigger. And we've talked about it on Everything Iconic a bunch before too. I feel like we use those terms a lot, and quite frankly, I'm not even sure that anyone's using them right. So maybe we should just all take a, a moratorium on the words uh, gaslighting and trigger until we all figure out what they mean and exactly how they apply to us. Because I'm not saying Crystal was using it wrong, or Kyle, I think, was using it wrong, but that's not the point. The point is, I think we all need to take a beat. Maybe just take a beat. At one point, Kyle said, you're gaslighting me. And then she's like, are you going to be dramatic about it? And I was like, I actually think Kyle's gaslighting her. I I don't know. But what do I know? I'm just saying we all need to maybe retire, not completely, but we need to like take, we all need to just collectively take a step back with those words, okay? Again, not saying people are using them improperly, but I'd say about 90% of us are, and me included, I'm sure a bunch of times on this podcast, go back some episodes, I'm sure I said the words incorrectly, but... I'm noticing it to be a problem. And I'm being triggered by that problem. And I'd like us to stop using words trigger and gaslighting. Because I think I'm being gaslit using the word trigger improperly. And so we need to stop. We need to cool it. Let's move on. Uh, okay, but the Crystal thing, again, uh, I don't even fault Crystal because I feel... I mean, I fault all of them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not giving her a pass either. But I just feel like Crystal has said we've moved on, we're not talking about it. So I actually am more pissed at people like Splits for keeping it going when no money's keeping it going, when they don't want to keep it going. Do you get what I mean? Like, we should be moving on. We should be moving on. Uh, anyway, then we see, we do see Diana go over to Split's House, and those dogs need to be trained. I'm sorry. I know I'm being hard on Split's Richards right now, but those dogs, they need to be trained because they're just eating everything. They're jumping up on everyone. Diana came in there in a Gucci North Face ensemble that was surprising to the eye. I didn't even know Gucci paired with North Face. When did that happen? When did those two team up? Uh, Anyway, I, I, the dogs need to, oh, oh my God, did you wait? Oh my God. (laughs) Wait, I, you guys, okay. Speaking of the Richards family, we're moving on from the dog. Just sit tight. Uh, Okay. So Paris had the wedding. Okay, and it was like a three-day wedding and of course the whole invitation came in the Tiffany box and it was like this whole big ordeal it was a huge wedding and it was even aired on Peacock they did an eight episode series or whatever so Kyle's talking about the wedding she says oh the wedding was last night I'm so exhausted it was so fun we danced and she talked about uh, Paris saying like I guess during her vows or something she said yeah like in the baby voice Kyle was like bragging about that how Paris was like yeah (laughs) which was so fucking weird, you know? And the, remember there was like this whole movement where it was like Paris is, is the baby voice is fake, but then I actually ultimately didn't think the baby voice was fake, because she still sort of does it. Do you know what I'm talking about? It was like, there was this whole period of time post-jail where it was like, that's not her real voice, and then she talked in like a slightly lower voice at some points, but then the baby voice is still, it's still, there's still a baby voice. And so now here's Kyle bragging about the baby voice, and she's like, yeah, and then her, um... Her vows that the the priest or the what minister said, "Do you take this man to be your husband?" And she said, "I do." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's not even the part I want to talk about. Okay, that's not even the big juicy part that we got to talk about. The thing that we have to discuss is that Kyle said, "Okay, I think you know where I'm going with this." Kyle said her daughter Farah got engaged, and she's like, "Oh yeah, Farah." I uh, didn't want to make a big hoopla because it was Paris's wedding. Farrah's cousin and we were all at the wedding, and Farrah didn't want to make a bunch of attention out of it because it was Paris's wedding. So she wore the ring on uh, backwards, or she said she turned the ring around at the wedding. Now here's the thing: this is so Kyle. <laughs> I've never heard of something that was so much. It, I was just like, oh yeah, that's like the Richards family. It was like. A, Farah could have just not, if she just got engaged, she could have just not worn the ring to the wedding if it had happened like the same week or weekend of the wedding to her cousin's wedding, right? Like, if she didn't want that attention, she could have just not worn the ring for that one night because it was her cousin's wedding, right? And the other thing is, too, you know. You know that Pharaoh was sitting at that table and you know Kyle was walking around every table. You know how at those weddings, it's like the bride and groom, they got to go around to each table and say, thank you for coming. It's so nice to see you. You know, thanks uncle Rick or whoever haven't seen you in years. Thanks for coming. So the bride and groom always have to do that. I imagine that Kyle the splits Richards and Farah the daughter, Farah the ring, uh, went around. And we're showing off the ring because you just know that Kyle was trying to steal some of the thunder because I believe that that's what happens in that family. I just get that impression. So it felt so Kyle Richards of, of her because we've seen that kind of behavior from Kyle when she does the splits. We call her Kyle the Splits Richards because whenever something's happening on the show and Kyle needs to get the attention on her ass, she'll do the splits. She's great at it. But I can imagine. Now, I wasn't at that wedding. But I would like, if anyone was out there, if anyone could confirm, I guarantee that Splits Richards was A, doing the splits on the dance floor. I'm sure when uh, Shout was coming on and it was getting a little bit softer now, that's when Kyle stole the spotlight and got into the splits on the dance floor. But I'm also certain that she went around to each table and showed off Farah's ring because she needed the attention on her. Cause that's just how it goes. I know it happened. I know it happened. And then uh, Diana said this really like uh, horrific story about losing someone, uh, losing a child, and it was so sad and everything. But all I was thinking about, and I feel terrible. But I wasn't even really listening to Diana because I was just imagining in my head like the splits going around to every table at this wedding. Anyway, then uh, we cut to Garcelle. Uh, I feel bad about Diana, though. I didn't really pay much attention to that, but Diana, I think she said she wanted another kid, and God bless, you know, I couldn't even imagine, you know, I I couldn't even imagine losing a child, and it's it's horrific and heartbreaking, and my heart goes out. But uh, then we cut to Garcelle and Sutton at dinner, and this is when Sutton reveals that story, and Garcelle's really uh getting trying to get into it even more. And I wrote in my notes, Garcelle needs to let the mouse go because. I'm just I'm over this. Then we cut to Medford, Oregon, and I thought we were going to be in Oregon. They kept showing all this B-roll, which the B-roll is like all this extra footage, and they were showing footage of outside of Oregon and everything. And then we saw that we lost Lois, and they showed a montage. But it was weird that like we went to Oregon, and then we didn't even actually see anyone in Oregon. Do you know what I mean? It was like they just showed a bunch of Oregon fields, and then that was it. But I, I feel bad and. Again, Lois, we love you, Lois. And Rinna, uh, we are. I'm given a little bit of a pass because I can't even imagine filming while going through grief. Uh, then the girls' trip, though. I mean, speaking of grief, okay, this is maybe judgy of me, so forgive me. But I sort of think that half this cast should not be filming. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just feel like... I, don't, I think Dorit's too raw to be filming. And now Rina's showing up on the cast trip a week after she lost her mother. And I just sort of feel like at a normal job, right, you take a little time off if you lose someone close to you. And, and I know everyone grieves differently, so I shouldn't, you know what, I need to turn my own attitude around. Because everyone grieves at different time frames and timelines in different ways. But it does feel like... Maybe half the cast... Erica's going through all that lawsuit stuff. Dorit just went through this horrific, dramatic robbery. And maybe they shouldn't be on camera. And then when they were all showing up for the cast trip, and it was like, oh, Lois would want me to be here. And I was like, what? Like <laughs> I mean, maybe, I guess to go on a trip, but when you take a step back and realize these people are all doing it, it's just their job, which I guess some people go back into work because it helps take their mind off things, Okay. Devil's advocate. Anyway, they all go on this private plane. Did you guys see the Kardashians? Anyone watching Kardashians on Hulu? Kim got a new private plane. And she's talking about on there how she wants to get, like, slippers and a custom rug and everything. And I was like, that's rich. I kind of think there's a point, though. Like, even this episode, Diana was saying, again, how she sent her crew ahead of time to the resort to, like, set up the hotel... And it felt like gross and excessive. And I couldn't tell if I was just being jealous or if I was like, no, that's really gross and excessive. Because shouldn't you be at least self sufficient enough to be able to go into a hotel room, gorgeous big suite, and survive? Right. Like, we're not even asking. I mean, like, what would happen if Diana got to a hotel and the staff didn't get there? Like, I can't imagine things would be that much different if she had to unpack or. Uh, she just had to survive on her own. Like, what is she gonna do? Fall and not be able to get up? I've fallen, and I can't get up. <laughs> what is she gonna do? What we need to get Diana Life Alert? Like, if the the people don't get there ahead of time, because it just feels excessive. She's making everyone. Travel there, it seems like a waste of funds, a waste of money. And then what do they do? They put the clothes, at least Ramona Singer, like that demon over on the railhouses in New York, she's not a good human being, but at least like she'll use the people on hand to hang up her clothes and unload her bags. Uh, Diana is basically doing the same thing Ramona Singer did, but she's sending the staff. I mean, I guess she's paying them, so I guess that's a slight difference as well. But she's sending people ahead of time, so we're wasting airfare. We're wasting uh, just so much money and resources. These people are being away from their family and kids to go hang stuff for Diana? Like, what is going to happen to Diana if she doesn't send people that? It's like, maybe I'm just jealous, but it seems crazy. It seems crazy. Now, Dorita in heaven in Mexico. She's able to speak Spanish. <laughs> It was funny. They kept saying uh, how Dorit's speaking Spanish to the driver, and then the driver was speaking English, and Dorit just kept going to Spanish and loved it. Loved it. I could watch Dorit just go country to country. You know, that accent's coming in and out. We talked about last week, she was like, babalicious, and then she's like, fuck you, Crystal. And <laughs> this week, we're getting the Spanish. She's like, ¿cómo se dice? You know, it's like, what's, what's happening? Dorit just, I mean, she's got a hold of the language. She's got a hold of every language. Then uh, we all uh, have dinner. Dorit shows up late to dinner because she's on the ground floor and she doesn't feel safe. And I didn't quite understand. I think there was more to that story. I guess because there were people outside the room or something. That's when I really felt like Dorit should have taken a hiatus from work. Like this doesn't seem like a good environment. If she's not even comfortable, why are we? On, why are you on the cast trip? I know. I don't know. It all just is dark sided. It's dark sided. Uh, then they order their food and I gotta mention, Garcelle orders the shishito peppers. Maybe I mentioned this on the podcast before, but I've been obsessed with shishito peppers. Matt does this Asian glaze on the shishito peppers. Sometimes we'll grill them on the grill. Or he'll do them on the pan. If you haven't had them, you gotta look up shishito peppers and we eat them like an appetizer. And I will literally eat this whole bag. And I don't know if they're in trend right now because I feel like now that we've been making them a lot, I keep seeing them on shows, but shishito, I I hope I'm saying that right. Shishito peppers. I'm obsessed, obsessed with them. And I gotta ask Matt, he does like a, it's like a soy sauce-y I don't know what the glaze is, but they're good. You could put them right on the grill, right on the gas grill, right on the gas grill. I sound like my mother. Just put them on the gas grill, Dan. (laughs) My mom will put anything in the summertime. She's like, put the burgers on the grill. Put the tomatoes on the grill. you got to grill the tomatoes. Let's grill some oranges on the grill, Dan. My mom will literally grill anything in the summertime. That's Ohio for you. You grew up in Ohio, and it's like you got a one good month a year of heat, and so you grill everything outdoors. Anything to get you outside, you put on the grill. It's like yeah, let's grill that. Let's grill the angel food cake. Then put some whipped cream on it, Dan. It'll be good dessert. Uh, okay. Anyway, Sutton uh, brings. This is when we finally they sort of peel back the layers because Erica finally calls out that Sutton just wants Crystal to say she's not a racist. Like that's what this is all about. And then Rena's like, this is where it gets dangerous. You're dangling a really dangerous carrot, and Renna says to Sutton, "This is really bad for you." And that sort of snaps Sutton where she's like, "I'm pissed. I'm fucking pissed." That's what Sutton, she finally got pissed. She said, I'm fucking pissed. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's what this is about. Like it took air. And I was so happy Bamboozle Jane finally said it. You know, I don't always love Bamboozle Jane, but finally when she said it, I was like, uh Oh, hello. Hello. She finally said something because all of us were thinking, like, what is this really about? And then Bamboozle Jane finally said, like, it's about you being mad because Crystal's making, gonna make it seem that you're a racist. If you didn't, if no one talks about what this word is or whatever. So it finally started to make a little bit of sense, but then there was this whole thing about how Sutton heard from other friends of Crystals that she wants to be friends with the most powerful person in the group and then will do anything to get there. And that didn't really make any sense to me. Cause also then Rina was in her confessional was like, Oh yeah, I heard that too. They were all like, Oh yeah, I heard that too. And you could tell even in the at the table, they all knew it. Even bamboozled Jane Kyle is like, you could tell they all heard this thing. All heard this thing. Anyway, I don't know what's the truth. We're just getting to know Crystal, too. I mean, it's been one season. And Crystal, I hate to remind us, but she was also very close, I believe, with Teddy Mellencamp. Now, uh, I'm not sure what that means, but we can all uh, deduce on our own. I'm not sure what it means. I'm just, I got to remind everybody. And, uh, that's the end of the episode. That's next time we get some surfing. Sutton and Diana go after each other. Garcelle and Erica go out. Garcelle says Erica, you're bugging the shit out of me. And that's the end of the week. I don't know. I don't know. Um, you guys do buy housewives quickly. And then we're going to get to Matt Rogers because I'm going to say something that's not going to be very popular. And you guys are going to yell at me. I'm going to get in trouble. You're going to get mad. But I'm not feeling, I'm just not feeling the real houses of Dubai. <laughs> I'm just not into it. What is, I, there's a, a disconnect for me and I don't know what the disconnect is exactly. And I apologize. And Chanel is, a uh, seemingly amazing, but almost feels a little too scripted for me. Although she did say something about, um, she called one of the other guys. She said, I'm Rihanna and she's mashed potatoes. <laughs> that made me laugh. But it's like it's so glossy and polished, but I'm just not able to connect. Something I'm just not connecting, and so I like I don't. I've told you this a bunch of times on the podcast before. I don't want to recap things that I hate because whenever I do that, I feel like I just get on the microphone. I'm a Danny Downer, and it's not fun for me. I don't think it's fun to listen to me talk about these shows if I don't like them. And so I'm, where I'm at with Dubai is I want to dip our toe in. We're going to keep an eye out. We're going to keep our feet in the water. We're going to dip, keep our toes dipped in the water. But I'm just not sure. I'm not sure that we're going to be doing full recaps. We might just kind of dip in and dip out as we're talking about our other shows. But as it stands, I'm not connecting. I feel a little bit gross about the Dubai of it all, because although Dubai looks like a gorgeous place, there's a lot of problematic history and stuff with Dubai. I don't know. I I hate to be a Danny Downer, but I'm just not. I'm sorry. It is what it is. I just said, it's too glossy, it's too polished, and maybe it's that we have too many housewives, maybe there's too many for me to keep up with. I can't even make sense of that Patrick drama on The Real House of Beverly Hills, and you want me to keep up. And there are all these rumors about these other housewife cities, there was a rumor that Winnetka and... Oh, uh, what were the other Nashville and somewhere else were coming, which I heard were just rumors that weren't true. So this was going around online that there were three new cities, Winnetka, which is outside of Chicago, which I would actually love to see that and Nashville. I would love to watch Nashville, but I, I ultimately think we've got too many houses. I'd rather them just do different shows there. I don't know. I need them to find something new. I don't know what that is. And it's just, we need something. Find me the new below deck. Find me the new housewife. And I'm not saying it has to be like a workplace thing or about a a group of specific women. I'm not sure what it is, but we got to find something new because I'm getting I'm getting bored, and I can't just have you throwing in new cities because I don't know that I'm interested now that Dubai happened, and I can't even get on board with that. I don't know that I need a Winnetka all of a sudden. Do you get what I mean? So, I mean, we're, I'm not in charge of programming over there, but someone else is. And so I uh, apologize for complaining without offering any solutions, but I'm not on uh, payroll. So that's just, that's just what's going to happen. Anyway, uh, you guys, I want to play my chat with Matt Rogers. He's fantastic. Follow Matt on social media. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino. You can get my book. How do I unremember this? Wherever books are sold. And, uh, thank you to ACAST and please stick around for my chat with Matt Rogers. Watch Fire Island. Watch I Love That For You and listen to his podcast, Lost Culturistas. I was on very recently, a couple months back. Check out that episode. They're hilarious. I love them. And, Uh, With all of that said, let's uh, listen to our chat with Matt Rogers. I'm very excited. We have a returning guest, Matt Rogers. Of course, you know him from Los Culturistas podcast. You know him from I Love That For You on Showtime, which I'm loving for you and for me. Uh, And Fire Island on Hulu. Matt, how are you doing?
1: I'm so good, but sort of because I just told you before we started, like I was watching the last episode of Atlanta, and that last sequence with Sheree, I I was really starting to cry. I think I'm like right Mm. on my skin. It's been such an emotional week releasing the movie that like I literally will cry at anything, and this stuff with Sheree is really sending me, Danny.
0: Well, and don't you sort of feel like we haven't seen Sheree that vulnerable before? Like I don't think she's ever really cried on camera. I was trying to think of if she'd ever cried on camera.
1: She got upset during the reunion of Nine when everything was going down with the girls, but she's never made herself this vulnerable, and it just... You know, for her to put herself out there and really commit years to this man and then him treat her like that, and he knows that she's on camera, to me, this is not just a red flag. This is, like, a a deal-breaker. This is... And that's devastating.
0: And I sort of feel like the the behind-the-scenes mechanics of it must be tough, because... I would imagine, I don't know this for a fact, but I would imagine the Sheree coming back, they probably said to her, you have to open up. Because from what I understand, the part of the reason why she was let go is because she was in this relationship, but she wasn't really willing to go there on camera. And now mm-hmm. she went on to the season returning for full-time status, the only person in the history of the Housewives franchise to return full-time twice. And so I imagine she knew the pressure was on to open up her life and to be vulnerable. And then she thought, okay, Tyrone's going to be part of my storyline. He's going to come on. We're going to talk about my relationship. And then this happens. And it's sad. It's sad. You have to wonder, too, like, maybe the reason why
1: she wasn't opening up in the past is because she knew that there was a risk of this happening. And, you know, that is dark in and of itself, because, you know, how long have you lived in ambiguity? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, how long have you been in a state of, like, duress in your romantic life? And I think that's another thing is, like, I think I realized watching the sequence, like, just how much we care about Sheree because she has been on since the beginning and. You know, I, I just, I'm, I'm so obsessed that she's back. I love that she's back, but I don't want to see it like this, no, you know? I know? And I, I, I know. and I also like, you know, big ups to Kenya, who was a great friend on the phone.
0: I love them as a duo. Also, Me I love too. Sheree. Can we talk about Sheree's outfit for a second in that scene? Because oh my God, it surveyed. really
1: was iconic. Also, the waitress was giving exactly what you want your waitress <laughs> to be at that, at the, in that <laughs> sequence. Like, hmm, like, oh yeah, take your time. Absolutely. Take your time. The woman's out there for two hours in the cold. <laughs> I'm I'm wondering if there was like no room inside. Like I want I want I want, a, I want a whole I want basically that to be triple as long. And every time the waitress comes back out to check in on her, she's like, "Hey, my shift is ending. So could I close you out for that tea and the artichoke app? Because I'd love to make a tip on this."
0: and it was so sad because Sheree kind of decided she's like is this a boozy time or is this a tea time she at first ordered a cocktail and then she's like oh maybe Tyrone's not going to come and I don't know if it'd be good if I got drunk on camera without him here I mean there was a lot of stuff she was ready
1: to drink her French 75 she was ready to try a new (laughs) cocktail it was a big day and she looked beautiful (laughs) in the most to say the least way you know what I mean like she really arrived with all the garments in her closet on her body it it was Um, like that
0: scene from Friends where Joe Joey puts on all of Chandler's clothes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, very much. Wow, Uh, I really was
0: hard. Tell me about about Drop It With Drew. I'm sorry to change the subject, but since we're in Atlanta, just what are your thoughts on the Drop It With Drew program? If you can call it a program, because I'm still unclear as to what's happening there.
1: I think we're all going to remain unclear, because I don't think it's actually a developed (laughs) thing. Although, here's what I'll say. I I don't like it when they get on them about their medical stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's get mm-hmm. it's it's or it's bordering on body me and also like if she's saying what her medical situation is, then leave it there. In terms of drop it with Drew, like what I got from the first episode is that not much was dropped. No shade. It's just that like in order to you know hawk a service that is going to do a certain thing, you have to like be able to give testimonial at least yourself as the person that is hawking it. Because if that's not true, then in Ken- in the words of Kenya, it's giving Ponzi scheme. It's giving Ponzi. I went to the <laughs> oh, website man. too
0: because they kept talking about the website. You websites, did? I did. I Of course there. you did. I yeah. I did. I had to take my monocle out. I went to the website and <laughs> I was cracking up because there are a bunch of before and after photos that do sort of look exactly the same. <laughs> It's just like oh, I mean,
1: well. th- the thing is like it's almost like when you opt in to do something like that. I guess you are like sort of opting into a lifestyle, but you also want it to work. And at least you know, with all of these like before and after weight loss things or like fitness things, at least they lie to you on face value. You know what I mean? Like at least like when you go onto YouTube and it's like, I don't know if you ever go onto YouTube and you see that one guy that's like a lot of people think that you got you get you got to cut back carbs in order to lose weight. Just that <laughs> true, da, da, da. and like he's at least like showing like before and afters that. Then you find out it's a scam, you know what I mean? Right. Like she's just showing that it doesn't work. She, I mean, at least she's being honest.
0: <laughs> there's some guy like when I go, my whole TikTok is like inspirational TikTok. I guess those are the videos that I watch. But there's <laughs> one so guy funny. that pops up all the time that he's. He's blouseless and he's talking about, he's like, you don't run on a treadmill to lose weight. And he, po- he's like very aggressive. And that's the first thing he yells in your face. And it shows up for some reason. I need to like learn how to block that one specific video or something, but at least he I think is, I know and, him. Do you know who I'm talking about? It's like, he yes, pops up I, every single fucking time I log in
1: all the time. I think it's this guy that I'm talking about because I, the, one of his things is like cardio will not work, which is just kind of like, right. Right. why are people doing What's it? He,
0: I mean, yes, it does. What's his endgame? He's Ponzi Scheme, too. We need to look into that man because he's like. I I actually.
1: It was probably about. You know what? Honestly, this is not a transition if you don't want it to be. But, like, in order to prepare for the Fire Island movie, I was sort of panicking about getting in shape. And he sort of struck me as someone who seemed enthusiastic about his own body. And he does look good. That's the thing. He's incredibly hot. And so I actually paid for whatever he was selling. And then about 15 minutes later, I was like, why the fuck did I do that? Wait, and literally, I know. They e- I know. I this know. was
0: a Fire Island diet. You've paid with that man.
1: I gave somebody my money to like, to like, you know, Don't follow a program, follow a program. But then I didn't. Like, I, I did not do it because I felt stupid immediately because it is like layers upon layers with those things like if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking about doing like a like a get fit quick or like a like a plan online like really look into what it is make sure these trainers are real and not and also like The testimonials are real, like go to the website or whatever and look at what people are saying, because had I just gone to the website or looked it up even a little bit and done my due diligence, I would have seen that everyone felt ripped off, 100% of the people.
0: The real dirty truth is that the only way to lose weight is to eat healthy and work out. It's like the very basic thing that's the thing to do. Um, You know what Jill Kim says to
1: me? And he, he, Joel Kim is always, like, abs are made in the kitchen, which is, like, such a drag on me, because I eat, like, absolute horse shit, but whatever, I guess he's right. But he also drinks, like, chicken.
0: Wait, I'm dying to talk about Fire Island. So now the movie's do out, and obviously everyone is loving it, embracing it. How are you feeling? Because, I mean, I was... Texting you this about this before when it came out. Like, that's your scene in that with the Mercer Tomei, my, my cousin Vinny. It was like gay Italian representation. There it was, we go. The, to me, the funniest scene in the movie, although I love the whole movie. And now that clip is kind of going all over the place. Like, how is it feeling now that it's come out? Are you just so proud? I'm overjoyed.
1: I feel like, yeah. um, because not only is it so great to be a part of something that I stand by and that I really like and that I think is really funny and has great performances and is beautiful to look at, has an amazing, you know, point of view, but also just it's been so nice to get back together with all of my friends that I made the movie with. You know, obviously Bowen and Joel are people that are very close well, maybe people don't know that, but Bowen and Joel and I are all very, very close. But when we shot this movie last summer, the whole cast um, became extremely tight in it. And um, it's really fun to get back together with them, and we all have the same degree of excitement. And we're all just, like, you know, buzzing over the fact that it has a 94 on Rotten Tomatoes. and That's You know, that people seem to call it, like you know, like a new instant classic, you know, like, and people are using the word clueless to describe, you know, what it represents and like the language of it and how it feels like it's representing a community and it's making people think too. And I I genuinely think and hope that it's making people in our community, the LGBTQ plus community think about the way we treat each other and how, you know, we can get so much further by being kind and being welcoming Than being elitist and being shitty, so uh, um, I'm so excited.
0: It's also got that that magical, perfect rom-com quality of rewatchability, where I feel like it's just people are going to. I've already rewatched it twice since I've I've seen it. A lot of people have been saying that it really has that quality. And my all-time favorite movie is You've Got Mail, and sure, I can watch that every single day of my life, and I don't get tired of it. And I feel like Fire Island has that vibe of. Just you want to put it on. It's comfortable. It's nice. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, that,
1: and there's a lot of set pieces too that are really fun. I mean, you mentioned mm-hmm. the heads up scene, which thank you so much. And uh, we, Tomas and I, are so excited that people are responding to that. But also, you know, the sometimes number, the karaoke mm-hmm. moment. Like also, you know, not, spoiler alert. But the, mo- the what always sends me, and I, I cry every time I watch the end of the movie is, you know, when James Scully, like, you know, steals the boat at the end and goes to mm-hmm. Bo and Yang on the dock and their thing and just Conrad Ricomora and, and Joel in the movie, their their yeah. discussion about the Alice Monroe book that ends with Joel being like, somehow I'm mad and horny in the voiceover. Uh, so many things and uh, so many great performances from people I love like Wait, so
0: well i know everyone is so good in it but you guys have had to sort of mention to each other like oh we're gonna do a part two or something right like there has been to...
1: enough like never while we were shooting it like but it really now. felt like its own thing i think because it was based on pride and prejudice like which is a complete story um and i also think you know just shooting it was hard like it was really hard to get the the crew to the island and they had to take the equipment back and forth every night like we mm-hmm. couldn't leave the equipment on the island and it, we did it in 6 weeks there wasn't a huge budget but and so we didn't think about it like that at the time but now that it's out It feels like there's like serious discussions about it. No, like we need
0: it. We need (laughs) it.
1: Which is crazy and would be so much fun.
0: So much fun. Like, I just want you all to go anywhere. It doesn't have to be Fire Island. Like, send you guys any trip in the world. I just want to see all. People just want to spend more time with the characters, which I think would be really fun.
1: Somebody threw out uh, a, a potential title for it, which was Fire Island 2. Palm Springs. <laughs> uh, I love. Fire Island 2, Provincetown. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Isn't that fun? I love fun? it. Uh, it would be uh, so cool. And li- weirdly enough, like so- just because so- somebody brought it up, like we already all started talking about potential storylines, and it was just crazy.
0: Well, and crazy. not to get to uh, whatever about it, I- I'm not sure how much the listeners really care, but I, th- I think one of the really special things about it is it has been seemingly so successful. I mean, social media chatter, you mentioned Rotten Tomatoes, the critics yeah. really love this movie. And... As a creator it's very hard to get LGbtq stuff made, and so yeah, I think is. this is going to be very helpful to get stuff made i mean it's it's open it's going to open up a lot of doors and hopefully production companies networks see that this has been so successful and will want to make stuff for LGbtq people because I think we've all had yeah. i mean, it, i I know I know plenty of people who have scripts. I have my own scripts that it's like you try to get out there and it's it's hard and you get notes of like well maybe if could this person be straight or maybe if this was a young woman instead or something and that those are the types of notes you get as a writer and so i I hope that this changes things and i I think and I think it will
1: well it's fun because like I feel like you know there's one project like this and then there's three the next year and then there's five you know like this year it's like there's Bros there's Fire Island there's Queer as Folk you know earlier in the year there was a film called Three Months that was written and directed by my dear friend uh, Jared Frieder he, he actually um uh wrote and directed the movie it's semi-autobiographical and Troy Sivan was in it and it's something everyone should check out and so we have all these really different distinct queer pieces and I just feel like how cool that it feels like it's multiplying every year, you know? And so, so I even say like, You know, a few years ago, if Love, Simon was not your thing and you felt like, oh, this is the representation we're getting, I personally adore that movie. And I think it was very cute to open the door. And then obviously we have Love, Victor from it, which a lot of people prefer. Um, You know, without that movie, maybe we don't have Happiest Season. And without Happiest Season, we definitely don't have Fire Island, because I think that's one of the reasons why Hulu even wanted to do it, is because Happiest Season was such a big hit for them. And I believe they're getting a sequel.
0: And I don't know if people realize just how difficult it is. Uh, I I often see, and we've talked about, I think I was talking to Joel about it, when you make queer content, oftentimes it's the queer community that is the most critical of of this stuff. Definitely. And it's understandable in a lot of ways, but I also, I sometimes want to explain, well, it's very difficult to get any of this stuff made, and oftentimes if you, let's say, have a queer script, the production company will send you, uh, you know, I have something that a production company bought and they sent a list of the the names of who they wanted for the lead. And it's like a, a list of mostly straight white males because they're looking at bankability and they're looking at a lot of other factors. And I don't know that people realize it's like even to just get it made and then to try to get the diverse, then to try to get all these things in there. It, it ultimately, by the time so it's many done, more
1: benchmarks. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. But the thing um, about
1: fire Island is like, what's so great about it is now you've got 10 gay men who've been in a hit movie. You know what I mean, like, and that's really cool too because, like, and that's why it's so important to like support these things and like you know give them the space because ten gay men now are in a hit movie. I should say ten queer people are queer queer people are in a um, hit movie, and it's also got Margaret Cho. You know what I mean, like, bringing her back into the conversation. Like, not that she ever left, but like in a big hit movie, and so now next time that these lists get put out, maybe mm-hmm. some of our names will be on it. Like, I, I would highly doubt that Joel Kim Booster's name is not going to be on lists right. after this. You know what I mean? I would be shocked if Conrad Ricamora is not getting offers from this. You know, Zane Phillips... Like, he, I already know he's booked since the yeah, movie. Yeah. Like, you're you all going like, to be
0: booked. I mean, you're all... I mean, yeah. fingers
1: crossed. Fingers like crossed, I, I'm always the crazy person that's like, you know, what's my next thing? What's my next thing? But I'm really trying to just slow down and really enjoy this moment. Because it's not just Fire Island. It's I Love That For You. It's the podcast doing great. So it, I'm really just trying to enjoy this.
0: Uh, I love that for you. What's it like working with Molly? Obviously, the whole cast is great. I know Jono from Groundlings days. I know. He's I, love that your, you know he's I love that you know Jono. I love Jono. He's the best. Yeah. He's uh, the but,
1: fucking best.
0: But Molly Shannon to me is yeah. the best. The
1: pinnacle, and she's the pinnacle.
0: She's just the best. So what? Is, I mean, tell me a good Molly Shannon story.
1: I love her. So she actually sent me a voice memo yesterday. Uh, She loves to send voice memos. And she sent me one, and I think it's so funny every time, because I can see that it's her when she texts me. She could just be like, hey. But every time she goes, hi, Matt, it's Molly Shannon. How are you? I just want to say. And she just does her whole thing. I adore her. Actually, my favorite Molly Shannon um, story I have is... You know, obviously countless things from the set. She's so inventive and fun. And I just love watching her, like, physically orient herself when she's going to do a scene. Like, she's such a physical performer. I think that, you know, obviously coming from SNL, she loves to figure out, like, how she's going to physically inhabit a scene or a moment or a character, which I love. But I actually met her. At a Countess Ann and Friends cabaret show, because I was writing for the second season of the other two, and I remember we had a day in the room where at the end of the day I was going with Chris Kelly and Sarah Schneider to see the Countess Lu at the Turn in L.A., And I was so excited, and then they go, Oh, and Molly Shannon's gonna come with us. And I was like, What? Like this is I'm gonna meet Molly Shannon. First of all, Gag was already excited to see Lou, the star. So (laughs) we're going. (laughs) What a night. We're we're going and I'm already like drunk when I get there. But (laughs) Molly's there, she's so kind, she's there with her girlfriend, and we all sit in the same row and we proceed to just watch Lou just nail it for for her performance. By but, nail
0: it, by nail it, you mean she was up there.
1: What I mean was she's <laughs> certainly a star. Okay, I'll say that. Like she is inhabiting her stardom up there in a real way. Okay, mm-hmm, maybe the mm-hmm. vocals aren't, you know, you know, you know, yeah. Fantasia Barino. But you know, <laughs> I love that. That's the reference. Well, said. I really didn't want to say though because me. I feel like that's such a flop. Like no, like, but I love Fantasia. She's a great singer, yeah. but you know, Lou Lu- is not Fantine. Yeah. Right. But basically, like, what happened was, I get so <laughs> drunk, I'm so drunk, and there's like a question and answer section. So I like drag my ass over to the mic. I'm like, I'm an answer question. And so basically, I get to the I get to the mic, and I sort of know Ben Rimmelauer, who was directing her show at the time, who many people probably know from being featured on the show a bunch as Luann's cabaret director. So he sees me at the mic and he's like, oh yeah, gives me a thumbs up. And he goes to Lou Lou, Lou, look, it's Matt Rogers from Lost Culturistas. And you see her just like not register it at all. Like, who the fuck am I to her? What is Lost Culturistas to her? So she goes, oh, of course, darling, you look incredible. Thanks so much. And I'm just like, Lou. And then I realize I have to ask a question, and I'm like, fully fucked up. So I'm like, Lou, it's so good to see you. You look incredible. You're slang tonight. I just want to know, what's the deal with Carol? Like, all I had was, <laughs> what's the deal with Carol? So the whole room just gets like, ooh, 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 ooh. Everyone wants to know what's the deal with Carol. So it was like bump, set, spike, because Countess just turns and goes, who? And the whole crowd just screams in approval. And she goes, "I haven't seen that woman since I wrapped the show with her, since the show that I'm still on." And you know, everyone's like, "Yes, Lou, yes." And I like, you know, fucking like bring myself back, Sesame Street my way back over to the (laughs) the place where we're sitting. And Molly Shannon looks at me and goes. That was a really good question. <laughs> and then later, like a year later, we were shooting not even, like two years later, we're shooting the pilot for I Love That For You. And I go up to her in the makeup trailer and I'm like, Molly, you'll never you'll never remember this, but we met at a Countess Lou and Friends concert I wrote for the other two. And she goes, oh, Yes, I do remember. You asked that really good question.
0: <laughs> Isn't that funny? Lou's bringing everyone together. She brings everyone together.
1: So grateful for her for so many reasons, but mostly that.
0: When the first Lou show, I met her um, and she, my friend was like, oh, this is Danny, Ben from Watch What Happens was like, this is Danny Pellegrino. Mm -hmm. And she was like, She's like, oh, I know the Pellegrinos from the Suez Canal or something. She was like telling some story, and I was like blackout drunk, you know, like, uh, don't But she was yeah. like talking, and I was like, that's we're not related. But I think I agreed that we were related in the moment because I just wanted to keep it going. But
1: you just got a yes, I'm the Queen. I was thinking <laughs> about how drunk I was at the time, and like everyone's I I
0: hammered at that hammered. Show. And I thought that must be so weird for her. especially as a sober per- now as a sober person yes. because the crowd at those shows is not even not even anywhere close to sober it's like no. the most drunk people you will find will be at that show and in, she's just on stage
1: in fact like i actually because i i do music as well like it's like a musical comedy so like i i
0: came uh, up with cat- Matt, matthew the everything iconic listeners remember when you sang candace on the show uh from real Housewives of oh Potomac? oh my god
1: <laughs> reverse the conversation One of the best. I think the best. Trust me, that's not what you want. The best Housewives song. Who needs a heart? Oh, who needs a heart? Oh, wow. That was so good. (laughs) Where to start? You know, her music really improved. Because Drive Back is an actual bop. Okay? It is. Yeah, it's good. It actually was like in my top five most played songs of the year last year. But I digress. That's
0: really good. It's really good.
1: But but, but what I was going to say was... Oh, God. What was I going to say?
0: Luann? What were we talking about, Luann?
1: Oh... Oh gosh, Did I, lose I lost it? my train of thought too. I have Same. so many questions I, see, for you. I you, even You brought at back, questions. you That's brought up problem. drive I'm back, sorry. and we we lost the plot. But l-
0: listeners are going to yell at me. Why didn't he ever answer that question? <laughs> <laughs> I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so, luckily, I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that Um, okay, wait. I gotta ask you about the the Fire Island, the Bechtel test stuff. Oh like,
1: my god, which is what so funny. Off. So let me just
0: explain. I mean, let me just explain to listeners. So Hannah Rosen, she's a writer. She tweeted this. So Hulu Fire Island movie gets an F minus, F minus on the Bechtel test in a whole new way. Uh, do we just ignore the drab lesbian stereotypes because cute gay Asian boys? Question mark Is this revenge for all those years of the gay boy best friend? And then she did, ultimately, after getting dragged pretty hard, I don't know if she tweeted out like an apology or an explanation or something. She apologized. The, uh, and an apo-
1: well, yeah. she she removed the tweet, and she screenshotted it and, and attached an apology to it, which was, you know, I think correct of her to do because it was very mean. It was very uncalled for. Her language was extremely diminishing, and I personally found it racist. Um, but... You know, ultimately, I guess, thanks to the Queen, uh, Alison Bechdel, for coming in and being like, hey, just so you know, for me, this is not an egregious example of not passing the Bechdel test. And she even said, like, um, if if in a movie, two men are speaking about uh, an Alice, Alice Monroe novel and, you know, like there they happen to also be in a Jane Austen uh adaptation. That that's a it passes. that's a corollary. It passes the Bechdel test. So ultimately, I mean it's one person's, I think, extremely dumb mistake. And I, I will call it a mistake, uh, because it seems like she's taken enough stock in her response after she got rightfully dragged online that she didn't mean it in an ill attention way. I think she probably just needs to spend some hours on that in therapy, and you know, think about why she needed to say that because it was truly nasty. And also to pick on this
0: movie, this movie of all movies,
1: is is really. I mean, it's racist. Like, and the, and the, it's it, that's that's what's that's what's fucked up about the, it. Because where was the she on Top Gun of Maverick? S- right.
0: <laughs> I still haven't seen Top Gun Maverick. I'm, I'm actually pissed about it because they didn't bring Meg Ryan back. I don't want to talk about it. So uh, pissed. Like, what was that? I mean, I just have a problem with it. I'm, this isn't what this podcast is about. But the, the filmmakers had come out and said, oh, we want to present these new characters. We didn't want to look too far in the past. I get all of that. What? But then it's like, right. But then the whole movie is sort of a look at the past, from what I understand. I, again, I haven't seen it. I heard it's great. People love it. I'm going to watch it eventually.
1: Okay. But, first of all, it's fine. It's fine. It takes way too long to get to the fun part. I understand that everyone's like foaming at the mouth over it. It's fine. They should have brought Meg
0: Ryan back. Um It's just misogynistic right. at this point because they bring they the Meg back for these things. Did they Okay, spoiler. She's
1: dead in the movie. <laughs> we'll and they're like, back. "Well, you since she died, they didn't say how she died. They didn't they, there was no Disgusting. like remembrance of her. And she's like a major character in that first movie." It was lame. I don't care. I'm the Gaga song was the best part.
0: I love that song. Okay. Everyone hates that hand. song. Hold my hand. Wait,
1: what's what, the, what, does she whis- what
0: does she whisper at the end of that song?
1: I heard from the heavens. heavens. Yes, which is I like, and and she's sort of going like this. She's like giving up the like fucking straight boy deuce at the end. I love her.
0: I listened, that song came out when I was traveling or something. And you know how you get really emotional on a plane? Uh, it was, yeah. like, I first listened to it on a plane, and so it hit me just, like, so incredibly hard. I was, like, sobbing listening to this Lady Gaga song. And then I was reading everyone's response online. Everyone, like, hated the song. I was, like, this is the greatest song of all time. And then the, I just yeah. love how it ends with that whisper.
1: The first time I heard it, I was, like, I don't think this is a good song at all. In fact, I was, like, actively pissed about it. And then the second time I heard it, I was, like, oh, this will be all I listen to for
0: yeah. months. It gives, um faith hill there you'll be from the pearl harbor soundtrack
1: now that's high praise
0: yeah yeah i know one of diane Warren's greats, and i Warren's mean it i because oh, okay. I, I miss sort of that like bombastic i don't want to miss don't a we thing yeah i miss that the soundtrack to fire ellen's great too while we're here just talking about soundtrack oh my um, god
1: how good is the Muna cover Muna, of sometimes i'm
0: obsessed with Muna, and then when that song came out i mean come on um, but it. wait the one thing I wanted to just go back to about the the Alice and Bechtel oh. and the tweet of it all I think one of the kind of silver linings of it is that it it opened up this conversation about it. And then also I think it's going to lead a lot of people to the movie because yeah. it got a lot of like traction and stuff. A and ton. I was like, Oh good. We're going to get more people to see this movie because we need people to see it.
1: I think uh, that that's true. I think that's true.
0: Okay. Tell me about like your sort of gay awakening movies. Like I, I talked to Joel about some of the like indie movies that mm-hmm. we had to sort of sneak w- our generation of queer people. I remember sneaking Ladder days or broken hearts club or some of these. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Like these. Yeah. Independent, yeah. Like those gateway drugs right and it's like you well, were just sort of feeding on scraps at a certain point but like or trick with Tori's spelling like I
1: <laughs> not to be like soft core about it but the eating Please. out movies were like major yeah. for me like I used to like really like have to you know find my way to those and I, I loved them and they were so That's horny true. and I thought they were so hot like and of course now yeah. you watch them and you're like oh god like these are so tacky and embarrassing but when you have nothing else like that was really major I wait, used wait to- sorry,
0: I'm stopping you for a second because I auditioned for one of the eating out movies, like one of the later ones or whatever, and no. I had some I had some eye issue or something so i didn 't i wear contact lenses and i 'm like pretty blind without my contact lenses and so uh-huh. there was some issue I had to wear my glasses into the audition and I got there and they made me take off my glasses and then Ugh. they wanted me to take off my my top and so I, and i 'm not in like a let 's shirtless kind of vibe right. but I couldn't see a single thing. I was, like, stumbling around. And if that footage were to ever make its way to the internet, like, I would be ruined because I couldn't see a single thing because they asked me to take off my glasses. And my body was not in shape. I mean, it was one of the most horrific experiences I've ever had. And the thing
1: is, too, like, it's like... (sighs) Even even if you even if like you're incorrect that that's that 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 you weren't in shape, it's like you have to be comfortable enough. No, you to have to be that. confident. Like, that. and that's the thing about like Fire Island too is it's like you know that's the most nude I've ever been in anything or 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 maybe ever will be in anything, and it was also my first film. So the amount of chaos that goes into that, especially when you're raised as a true child on the eating out movies, like, and everyone's got like this like very Abercrombie and Fitch look in those movies, and like. Like, you know, the asses are like impossible shelves, and like the skin is absolutely perfect. It's just like I, what, that's something I also like about Fire Island, is that there is like a true diversity in the types of people that are represented. Like, yes, of course, there's gorgeous, you know, gay men in it, and you got, you have a movie to sell, so everyone, in, everyone is attractive, but I feel like, you know, it, I, I don't, I'm not concerned about young queers watching this, and I don't feel like we're going to do damage to them by watching it by like, you know, having this only impossible showing beauty one. standard. Yeah. Yeah. And also just also really hammering home that this is an Island for everyone, you know, like a, a vacation right. destination, like, like that is for everyone and not just for like the oppressive white, you know, straight acting majority.
0: Wait, what was the movie? I interrupted you with my Eating Out story. You were about to tell one other movie that oh, you Oh, I was just going to say,
1: like, like I remember watching, like, Queer as Folk and, like, not yes. s- not understanding a second of the plot because I was so blinded by horniness. And what I liked about Eating Out was, like, there's that long scene um, in the British and American version, actually, which is, like, the older gay... Folk. Yeah, of Queer as Folk, of, yeah, like, yeah. the older gay sort of, like, you know, like getting um because it's the guy from sons of anarchy right charlie hunnam yeah
0: charlie hunnam is like he's the like the UK blonde guy. twink
1: in the uk yeah. version and like the the older guy is like you know basically like eating him out and like getting him ready for sex I'm like there's something hot to me about like that like teacher student thing and then i of course had a first sexual experience with someone i worked for who was 11 years older than me and i'll unpack that later
0: wait how went, old was he and how old were you
1: he was 30 and i was 19 and I worked for him at a restaurant, and it wasn't great. Yeah. But um, but like, and looking back, hindsight is twenty twenty. But it was all very normal at the time, and I think it's because like I had had this like thing in my head about like queerest folk, like oh, I just need like someone older to like teach me what to do, which I think is true. But like, there's baggage there.
0: Well, in a sick way too. For queer as folk, I remember sneaking in my parents' basement to watch it, like after everyone would go to bed in the house and like uh, yeah. watching it. But that was the only place I remember being able to really learn about gay sex outside of gay porn which we I, I, we sort of came of age when internet started making it accessible but
1: yeah.
0: I mean it was a weird time where it was like dial up would take forever so you'd have to go downstairs and watch Queer as Folk.
1: Yeah um, I also like I did that with Sex in the out. City too like in terms of like just content I would, I would consume like that was something I snuck when my parents were not there. I would go on like the HBO on demand and watch all the Sex in the Cities. So I think I have seen every episode from like an early age because that was something that I remember. Like, if it wasn't like an explicitly queer movie, at least it was like all women. And I got to like mm-hmm. stand early in my life. You know what I mean? <laughs> right.
0: Well, and I have this theory that we just didn't really have a lot of gay representation. So we latched on to the thing that was closest, which is women. You know, yes, so we'd have to people. <laughs> Samantha Jones was like the closest to a gay character that we would see on screen. Yeah, um, well, she I was, was just a watching- gay icon. Do you remember that scene? I just rewatched it last night because I was thinking about it with Samantha in Sex in the City when she goes to get uh, STD tested and she's doing like the questionnaire and she's like, do you give, give and receive anal? She's like, yes, yes. And she just says yes to every question. It's yeah, the funniest yeah. fucking thing. But uh, she was yeah. just so good. I mean, yeah. are you on? Where do you fall within the Kim Cattrall and Sarah Jessica Parker of all? Do you feel like one is more right or one is less right?
1: I think there's a world where they're both right. I honestly yeah. think that like it's p- two people who obviously like shouldn't work together. And I I have to be honest, like uh, well, you have to just let a woman say no. Like like if she doesn't yeah. want to do it, it's not personal. It's just it it's she pr- she professionally wants to move on. Like and she only has to say no one time. And it's like I just wish that she would stop being asked the question yeah. because. At this point, how many more times does she have to say a hard, harder, hardest no? It's like abusive at this point from like the media, and and of course we yeah. all want, you know, we all wanted and yeah. just like that to end with Kim Cattrall being there, but it was right. not going to happen. And I feel like I just wish we'd all sort of stop with it because I, it's it's like not only is it like disrespectful, but also it's like exhausting and like sort of like you know. Yeah, we got blue, the blue ball. Already. It's like we blue ball yeah. for
0: us all, because it's, I know. it's not going to happen. Know. I know. We need to all just move on. Um, okay, quick housewife thoughts. Dubai, have you watched Dubai Housewives? I have watched
1: what Dubai Housewives. What are you thinking?
0: I can't get into it, Matt. I'm just not, I don't know where, I I don't know why, why I'm I saw you say
1: this on, on, on I'm disconnected. Instagram. disconnected. I would say that the first 15 minutes, like, had me, and then by the end, I was not as excited. I think that mm-hmm. we have too many of them.
0: It's too much. Yeah. Like... Like,
1: uh, what's her, what their faces
0: are? I hate to say Sarah,
1: that. Sarah and Nina are blending for me. Yeah. Um, they're not standing out. I like, I mean, Chanel
0: Ayan is obviously the star. Um, but even she feels a little put on to me. Does she feel put on? I mean, a little bit to me. And I, I, I think she's amazing. She's obviously the one with the most sort of star power, the one giving the most. But I also sort of feel like she's almost playing the role a little bit of, like, of what a real housewife should be. I, don't
1: know. I mean, I'm certainly going to wait to make a final judgment, and I will watch them all and probably won't stop watching them. Sure. I will say... No. Uh, we
0: would never do that.
1: Love Caroline Stanbury. Her husband is gay. Um, <laughs> so there's that. I uh, like Lisa. Um, loved the big ice cubes in the pool. Her husband's also hot. Um, uh, there's else? a
0: sheen to Dubai, too, that I just can't get past. Like It feels very like polished and pretty. But then also, there's a darkness to it. Like, I, I was hearing about how, you know, they, and I don't know how true this is, but how they had agreed to do the show because it'll drive tourism to Dubai. And there's also kind of like a weird, gross thing to me of like, oh, we're, um, are we by supporting this, are we driving traffic to Dubai, a place that like doesn't want queer people? <laughs> and like, you know, is it, there's something sort of problematic about all of that. And I haven't really wrestled with it too much, but I'm starting to.
1: I haven't either. I'm sort of just like watching it right now and like thinking, is it entertaining me? And I think the answer to that is pr- sort of. Um, yeah. I, I I thought that a couple of the women were interesting enough. I just worry that they're not all interesting, and I also just don't necessarily know that we needed a new franchise this soon. Right. Um, when you have other franchises that I think need work, I think it's weird to add another one. Like there's too many right now. Like, yeah. I, I, I can barely, like, really commit to Miami, because it's just too much. I feel like there's too much on my plate, personally.
0: Yeah, and with the girls' trip and everything, and, yeah, it's a right, lot. Right, which
1: I am uh, so excited
0: oh about. Oh, my God, it's gonna be good. The things that I've heard about part two... Ah. Uh. I can't wait. No, um, do you have any no. other final thoughts? I want to play a quick game with you before I let you go, but any final thoughts about Housewives? Anything you got to get off your chest about Housewives? Or anything yes. really in pop culture that you want to say?
1: So I would like to speak on Crystal Kung Minkoff on Beverly Hills, because I think that she's Please. top of mind for me, because she's sort of taken center, which I do like. However, I will say we have to figure out a way to play this in the next two episodes, because I'm going to give her two episodes to turn this around. Because we had one season of Crystal where she started out really strong and then petered out. And I I, I think that Right now, what she has done is she has caused Beverly Hills to start Beverly Hillsing. Now, what I mean by that in a negative sense is the conflict is what is the conflict? And I can't do that anymore because we've seen Beverly Hills at its best and we're promised like a great season. And here we are. And the conflict of the episodes is, well, what what was said off camera? And I can't do that. Like, if Crystal's going to bring it up, she has to say it. That being said, if she doesn't want to say what Sutton said on camera, at least be interesting about it like Mm. be a bitch to them that they're nosy like make it into a thing like that you can personally like find conflict with like make it a personality thing like like do something with it let's just not stay in the thing of well you need to say what it is you need to say what it is you need to say what it is and this is when the other women get really annoying when they harp on this bullshit this stupid shit like Why won't you say what it is? What does it mean about you? And how is it going to cause conflict with the other women? Let's make this interesting, and if she can't, then I don't think she works.
0: And on the then show. we all need to move on. And I feel that way about the whole thing that's coming with Kathy and Rinna and and all the rumors and the blogs and stuff like that. It seems like that happens off camera too. And so I just need us to find a way to bridge the gap. If it happened off camera, I'm going to need them to like do some extra work in the production side or something. I'm going to need to get some sort of behind the wall footage or some some receipts or something to bring into the show to at least like bridge the gap because I can't have all something. of these storylines that happen off camera. Yeah, we can't. No,
1: it. it's so it's it's boring.
0: Yeah. Okay. I've never played this game, Matthew. But I, mean, I felt like you. Can I call you Matthew? I'm calling you Matthew. Is that okay?
1: You know, usually only close
0: friends and lovers
1: call me Matthew, but uh, you <gasps> you can call me Matthew.
0: Oh, thank you. Um, okay, so Anna Ferris. Um, she we love her. We love Anna yeah. Ferris, right? Yes. Uh, so I Deeply. love her here at Everything Iconic And she's got a, a pretty vast filmography And I just thought you would be the perfect person to play this game Of why Anna Faris deserves an Oscar So I'm going <gasps> to throw out a role And you just tell me what about that movie or role Or her in general deserves an Oscar for that specific performance We're going to run through a few of these, alright? Ready? Fuck. Yes. Does that make okay. sense?
1: Yes, absolutely
0: Okay, House Bunny
1: House Bunny. Okay, so Anna Faris deserves a producing Oscar for House Bunny because she pitched this movie in character. I would say that the vocal choice of the sort of vocal Freud ditzy, dumb blonde had been done a thousand times, but she managed to make it feel new. My personal Fresh. rubric for why someone should win an Oscar is, could anyone else have done it as well? And you'll find that with a lot of Anna Ferris's roles, like probably since, like, Goldie Hawn, no one could have done it as well. And I think the House Bunny is an original character, which you don't see a lot of that happen in the big broad comedy sense anymore but I think it will come back Um, I think that she like really played this to the hilt and just the commitment of it all and the fact that she was able to elevate all the other people and they ended up doing really well as well like Emma Stone if you cut me off again it's gonna gonna be really (laughs) bad for you bitch (laughs) <laughs> scary movie so this is she built a franchise on the strength of her performance and also the fact that she never really even did like a nev campbell impression she just gave you iconic anna Ferris. for me i would personally give her the oscar for scary movie 3 because i think that that's when she and regina hall really dropped in together and i would also give regina hall the best supporting actress award for scary movie 3 mostly for the line
0: reading of when the crayons hit the door and she goes no the fuck did who the that? fuck did that <laughs> I know we really need those two to get back together. We need to reboot all of these rebooted franchise like Scream and Halloween. That's they're the, the needs two to be most talented like,
1: comedic actresses of their generation of Anna the generation, and, and it's
0: like they should be rolling up a truckload of fucking money to Anna Faris and Regina's house to get them back. Okay,
1: if if the world were fair, Regina Hall would be as big as Sandra Bullock. Period. Hundred
0: uh, percent. Just friends
1: just friends I mean this is truly like talking about speaking to an era like again how many times had we seen like vocal fry pop star dummy get done but she comes in and she's so funny also you get that that script and like you see the role on paper and you really have to make it interesting one of my favorite things she does in that movie which I often do as a bit at parties now and no one gets it because I feel like a lot of people haven't seen this movie is when she walks into the bar and no one sees her and she goes yes i know very exciting <laughs> just like I line reads down give her the oscar okay
0: this one's gonna be a tough one I and mean, okay. it's a deep cut maybe you don't know it I, I will have to see uh her stint on entourage
1: her stint on entourage t- i thought you were gonna say like brokeback mountain no
0: nope. um her stint, stint on Entourage. the, the t- t- toughness of this game
1: I have to tell you something. Entourage, to me, is like aggressive heterosexual culture, and I won't breach that uh, that line, even for Anna Ferris.
0: So maybe she deserves the Oscar for getting through it, really.
1: Sure, but wouldn't that be an Emmy, though?
0: Yeah, we'll give her both. We, I mean, we're making sure. up rules here. Okay, uh, last one. I guess we'll do Brokeback Mountain.
1: Yeah, Brokeback Mountain is fucking iconic, because she was able to bring Anna Ferris to a prestige film that probably she had to fight to be cast in, you know what I mean, like and talk about like being in a sea of incredible supporting actresses, like actually, one of my favorite things about that movie are the performances of Michelle Williams and Anne Hathaway, who is really underrated in that movie by the way, like so good. I know that Michelle got all the all the, all the accolades because of Jack Twist? Jack Nasty! Like, I, you don't go up there to fish. I love her. But Anne in that last phone call at the end is stunning. Uh, and Anna Faris is unforgettable in that scene where she's being a little chatterbox. And never forget Linda Cardellini and Kate Mara. So uh, these were so many iconic actresses being the support and the backbone of that movie. And every single one of them is brilliant. Every single uh, one of them
0: is so good. Give her the Oscar. Uh, and Matt's...
1: the woman who plays Jake Gyllenhaal's mom was great, too. Oh, I don't wait, know who? her name. Yeah. Okay. I don't know her name. I don't think she's got a big name, but she was also fab.
0: Give her the Oscar. Thank you for playing Why Anna Faris Deserves an Oscar. Now, for my next guest, who would you like me to play with them? Is there an actor, actress that you think we should play this game with?
1: Yes. Um, you should do it for uh, Rachel McAdams.
0: Okay, that's who we'll do it next time.
1: Specifically for the years of like 2004
0: to 2006. I mean, come on, come on. Uh, okay, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time. I want everyone to check out Fire Island. Listen to Matt's pos- podcast, Las Culture. Co- I can't talk. Las Culture. My dad can't say
1: it either. My dad calls it Las Costa Rica, so I'm like, well, that's... Oh epically wrong
0: i love that for you which i didn't even get to talk to you about this on showtime you had my favorite scene so far of the series when you're just saying and i need you to say it first the discourse is toxic the disc do you know there's this moment where your character is <laughs> saying it in front of a mirror and it's the funniest fucking thing
1: thank ever. you well please you know, say it for I, it. I hope that when you listen to this episode you don't say the discourse is
0: toxic <laughs> How many times did you say that when you were? I probably said wrote?
1: it about 15 or 16 times. And I <laughs> so loved it. Like, Sudi Green, who was like one of my best friends and a writer on the show, came in and she was just like shouting lines at me to say, and she was like, the discourse is toxic. And I was like, what? <laughs> and she was like, just say, the discourse is toxic. And now I love it because you can meme it. You know what I mean? Like you can like put it online and like then post my me doing the discourse is toxic, and I've done it myself. I mean myself. There's,
0: I mean, I laugh a lot, but there's not a lot that like gets me like the tears in my eyes when I was watching it. And just you kept doing it, and I was like, tears in my eyes. It was like you just oh, kept Danny. saying the discourse is toxic. The disc just so fucking funny and the show is Thanks. so good so everyone needs to binge it everyone's got to
1: watch it because so we fun. have
0: to have a second season please we're we're getting one right like th- there has to be right it will i
1: don't know yet i feel good about it but also like i'm such a show killer everything i do gets only one season no, no, so no. not this though not this no
0: not this the discourse is
1: toxic but not the discourse produced. will be so i'm going to contribute to a toxic discourse if we don't get a <laughs> second season i'll tell you that
0: I love you, Matt. Thank you so much for taking the time. And congrats on back. all of this success. I'm so incredibly happy, excited, proud. And, and I, I think what all of you guys are doing with Fire Island, opening up so many doors for so many people is really special. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.